Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today, um, I'm, real, I'm really excited about this interview. We have Coach Joseph Dix, who's, who's now the head boys basketball coach at Collins Hill High School uh, in Suwannee, Georgia. This is his second year. Uh, what I'm going to talk to him about is how is he building this program? Collins Hill is in one of the toughest 7A regions in the state. Um, They've had a... Uh, tremendous pass and coaches coming in um to a program that kind of not probably more likely he's kind of trying to rebuild he lost five seniors the year before so he's in the process of rebuilding a program i'm gonna pick him up uh pick his brain on how is he building the program at collins hill um he's been involved 14 years excuse me uh eight 17 years at east hall high school in gainesville uh georgia and he was with an assistant coach. He won two state titles uh, under Seth Viding in 2001-2003. His team, he took over 2005. His team won the AA Georgia High School State Championship in 2005. So he's got a lot of experience. Um, his program at East Hall was one of the best in the state. So consistent, great pressure defense, uh, region championships, elite eights. You can go on and on and on. He built a great program, and now he's on his next venture at Collins Hill. And I really want to ask him, hey, how are you doing it? So I love to ask successful coaches, you know, how are you building your program? Um, and not only that, he's really involved with the GACA, the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association. How is he trying to mentor coaches and trying to get them to do the right thing and help their players out? And uh, I just think you're going to get some great information. And I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Make sure that you um, you mention our podcast to a lot of your friends because I think we're really trying to get out to the public on what impact that these coaches are having on your career. So again, let's welcome Coach Joseph Dix, head boys coach, Collins Hill High School. Joseph, welcome. Uh, yeah, hey, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. Oh, okay, no problem. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We get a lot of great coaches on. I know you've been around a long time, and I always try to get the best of the best, man. So and I'm really excited about listening how you're uh, kind of building. So I'm so excited to kind of get you on. So again, welcome. All right. Thank you. Hey, Coach, tell me a little bit about uh, kind of the, um, the journey of how you got started in the game and how you kind of, you know, got into East Hall and did a great job there and kind of doing what you're doing now. Kind of give us a little background of your career. Uh, yeah, well, um, I am originally from uh, Tuskegee, Alabama. Um, I played uh, high school basketball there and um, was actually just going to school. And, um, and the opportunity um, through a common friend, uh, Coach Alfred Barney, who uh, was a great coach at uh, over at Georgia Perimeter College. He uh, was a coach back in my hometown. And we knew each other and kind of connected, even though I didn't play for him there. Um, he got a new job at uh, what, at what was DeKalb College at the time. And I actually went with him. Uh, he was an assistant there. And so I played for him and Randolph Barksdale, who's a legend here in the state of Georgia, 
Georgia Southwestern's court is named after him, actually. And uh, so I played for the two of them at DeKalb College and then played for Randy Dunn at um, North Georgia and just stayed in the area after after I uh, got done playing for those guys and um, wound up uh, getting a job at East Hall. Uh, actually took a job at East Hall without even knowing anything about coaching just was going to be teaching PE. I wanted to coach, <laughs> but had to get a job first and uh, went sure. from um, there. They were two spots open, a JV girl spot and a ninth grade boy spot. And there were two guys, me and another guy. And the other guy had been there. And uh, I told him whatever job he didn't choose, I would take. So he chose the JV girls job and I became the ninth grade boys coach at East Hall for Seth Vining. And of course, I uh, got a chance to experience some, some great, eight great years there with him. And um, we were able to have some great success. And, and then uh, when he retired, um, they uh, hired me as to follow him and continue things. And I was there for, <coughs> excuse me, 14 years. And then, um, just thinking about something new and an opportunity to kind of grow uh, as a coach. And so the Collins Hill opportunity came open. Um, I was excited about it and went after it. And and um, they were interested in me as well. And so here we are, uh, start about to start year two. Yeah, and you, you've earned that right, man. You've had a great career. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, personally, I remember you um, uh, through the East Hall. I had an opportunity to interview with you guys at East Hall. And I just thought you all had a class program. And I, um, you know, it was unfortunate for me. I, I didn't get the job, but I knew you guys were a first class program. And I know you were classy. And, um, and you, every time I see you, you're always uh, very gracious and so forth. So personally, I really appreciate that. And tell me about the legacy that you left at East Hall. You guys, you guys went on a run there for quite a while, yeah, didn't you? We, we did. We um, East Hall's always had great basketball, and um, I remember Coach Vining and I were sitting together and talking, and it was about I think it was maybe ninety nine, and and uh, he said I remember it very clearly. He said, "Hey, you know what do we have to do?" To, to go to that next level. And I said, well, coach, you know, we don't have any size. We had just gotten beat by Randolph Clay in the uh, state semifinals in 99. And they had a kid, Donnell Harvey, who was a national high school player this mm -hmm. year, was a first-round draft pick, was a one-and-done kid at Florida. And and we we obviously didn't have anybody that talented. Um, and, and we were trying to figure out what do we have to do to kind of get over that hump to – to, to win and to, to have an opportunity to, to get to the uh, state championship. And um, and we kind of decided we had to go all out. We had to increase the tempo we were playing with at the time and the way we were playing pressure defense-wise and so that we negated what we didn't have size-wise. And um, that's what we did. And uh, we just – we used to started to utilize the three-point the three shot more. And uh, the next year, we got back to the final, the final four and beat Randolph Clay in the final four and got to the state title game. Now, we got beat by a very good Mitchell Baker team, but that was kind of us getting over that hump. 
And then in 01, we won it. And then, of course, in 03, we won it. And then in 04, we got back. In 05, we won it again. And then 06, we got back to the Final Four. And then 07, we got back to the state championship game. So we had a crazy run right there um, of just really good teams and uh, some really good players. And uh, But that was kind of where it all kind of started. And, and we were able to continue that and sustain that success uh, over the next uh, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, you guys really built a solid program. And and what your what are you trying to do right now at Collins Hill? Because you know Collins Hill, I mean, even though you have good personnel, you're playing against teams that are unbelievable, particularly your region. What are you doing to build this well, program? We, um, Collins Hill, the four years preceding me coming in, Collins Hill had won the second most games in Gwinnett County behind Norcross. So they had had success. Right. Uh, but when I got there, um, we had uh, they had five really good seniors. Four of them are playing in college now, and they graduated. And then um, there was two young men who will probably end up playing Division One. And during the, the gap between me getting the job and, and actually taking over and everything, those two young men left. So – we basically started over um, with even our seniors were inexperienced. So uh, like our senior class last <laughs> year had 22 points total in their high school careers. Right. So we, we were literally <laughs> starting yeah. all over again. And so we just tried to, to get them understanding the pace and the effort that they had to play with. Um, there were some cultural issues that we had to deal with off the floor with several of those young men and uh it, it wasn't easy uh we got off to a great start and we're three and oh and looking like we're headed in the right direction and then uh as adversity came uh we found out some guys uh just didn't have the ability to understand that and get through it and so uh we we subsequently we struggled and uh we continued to struggle we were on and off throughout the year uh, really playing fairly well at the end of the year, but, you know, sometimes where you put yourself in your region, particularly our region, you know, I call it the Big Ten, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> every team was, every team had good players. I mean, there was, you know, every right. team had good players. And so um, we, and some great coaches and, uh, and we just, uh, we just never quite got over the hump as far as getting, getting things going in the right direction on a consistent basis. But I think we'll be better this year just because of what we went through last year. But, you know, it's, I have, I have seen the process, you know, people talk about that and, and building a culture when you get somewhere and it takes time, you know, it, it really does. And I'm, I'm seeing that now and we've made some progress certainly, but uh, we still got more work to do. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. I think year one, of course, I've been at a lot of schools, and year one's always the toughest because you're trying to build that culture. Now, year two, what are you trying to do specifically to improve? Because you mentioned that the culture wasn't great with some of the other kids. What are you trying to do this year to make that improvement? Uh, well, we're really stressing our level of communication. Uh, we talked about it a lot last year, but we're putting a little bit more emphasis on our communication and, and, you know, just because 
uh, there was several just non-basketball related things that that kind of took place where guys weren't communicating and, and guys weren't able to uh, able to I guess figure out what we wanted and so I, I feel like maybe I didn't do as good a job communicating with them as well as them communicating with me and each other so we've talked a lot about that uh, that's probably been the biggest thing uh, and then on the basketball court we there were some things we didn't do well. Um, you know, we averaged our pressure defense averaged creating about 22, almost 23 and a half turnovers a game. But we shot such a poor percentage that we wasted a lot of those opportunities. So we're just a real emphasis right. on finishing, um, just taking care of opportunities when you get them. And, and we want to shoot the ball a little bit better than we shot it last year, too. And those are those are probably three things I've emphasized the most this uh this, uh, some, this past summer and into the fall. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't think people realize kind of the details you have to go through for each I think each team, right, Coach? Don't you feel like oh, yeah. each year you're almost, you're almost starting over? I know in my case in small schools, like last year, you know, we had a certain team, and this year I feel like I have a brand-new team. Oh, absolutely. Don't you think? I, I think so, too. Um, we've, got, <laughs> we've got three starters coming back from that group, but at the same time, we're, you know, we're, we're going to be a different team as far as our makeup. Um, and, and, and Gwinnett County being such a transient area, too, I, I really don't know who will, who will be there when we start. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to think I have an idea. But like last year, example, I the first game I went back and looked the first five the guys that started the five the first game of our season last year, three of them weren't with us until the school year started. Two of them came after the school started, and then we're we're talking about September. I hadn't even met them at this time last year, and they started our first game in November. So you know it's it's different. It's different than what I've, what I've, uh, obviously what I've dealt with at East Hall. There was more of a community school type of situation. Kids grew up in the area and grew up playing, you know, for East Hall from, from when they were five all the way up until they got to high school. But this is very different. You know, it's, these kids are transient. Some of them, uh, they don't have any idea who I am or what I've done in the past. All they know is that's my coach right now. And, and so it's 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 very different from that standpoint. But we're we're enjoying it and we're having fun building it. But it, it is it is going to have to be. Hey, coaches, this is Matt Smith, the president and founder of United Basketball Clinics. Want to let you know about two great clinics we have going on later this year. The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, August 23rd and 24th at the legendary Hoosier Gym in Knightstown, Indiana. Vance Wahlberg, Dave Love, Doug Porter, Mike Neighbors, John Kaufman, and more will be speaking that weekend. All sessions are on the floor with live demonstration. Also, we have the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, September 28th. Hernando Planell, Charmin White, Gene Durden, Alan Whitehart, the staff from Georgia State University, and more. Please visit unitedbasketballclinics.com to register. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. That's unitedbasketballclinics.com. Same staff discount supply. I look forward to seeing you there. Like over 120 transfers just in the Atlanta area on kids going from school to school. 
uh, particularly the big schools, is that good or is that something that we have to get better at and prevent? Or is that just part of the culture? Um, I think it's just part of the culture. Um, if you look at uh, even college, now my son's a Division One coach at East Tennessee State, and, you know, they have access to the transfer portal. And at one time there were, there were six or seven, 800 kids in that transfer, transfer portal, you know, um, and, and wow. I mean, it's just going to happen. Um, I think it's very difficult to tell a parent nowadays in this day and age that they have to keep their child in any particular place. If they feel like something is better for their child and then they're going to move them. Um, there's, there's no way around that. And uh, I have, even in my short time at Collins Hill, I've, I've benefited from some kids moving in and I've been hurt by some kids moving out. So uh, it's, it's just part of, it's just part of it. Um, you know, I'm, I've grown accustomed to it now. I mean, it's, it's, it's right. it is, it is what we are, you know, and, and, and the kids understand it and, you know, it's competition and all those things that go along with that. But I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I understand it a whole lot better now Absolutely. than I did maybe a year ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it just it just it's just part of us now. I mean, I think you're at the small schools, like you mentioned at East Hall, you probably never dealt. I know I haven't, but of course, unless you're you know at a some of the smaller uh, single A's private wow. schools. <laughs> but um, you know, but um, it is part of the culture. I think you you have to really commit to your program, right? And what do you do at Collins Hill? What are you guys branded for? What are you known for at Collins well, Hill? We're, we're trying to build that, that pressing and up-tempo style and kind of that being our, um, our calling card. Uh, we, despite being a, a large 7A school, we don't have a whole lot of size. Uh, we got right size comparative to everybody else let me say that too uh i mean i've got a i've got a kid that's 16 that's got an opportunity to be a good player but outside of him i don't have another kid in our program over about six four so uh you know just just kind of one of those things where you know you want them to you want them to know that this is who we are this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to do it and I think we started to kind of develop that. I really do. Yeah. So are you, um, and I know I, I, I love a, a certain style and system like you. Uh, and then I try to adjust it based on a little bit about personnel. Like if I have a big girl, I might make some adjustments. Are you, are you this, are you similar or you're going to play, you know, coach Dick's basketball, basketball system, no matter what, what's, what's your style. Or do you adjust uh, it? Well, the base is, is playing fast. Um, like example, um, this the last spring I had uh, met, I met with each one of my guys returning and that kind of thing, and we talked about it, and we were going to really be more five-out oriented because we didn't have any size, um, and and you know we. We, we kind of felt like that's the direction we were going and a lot of man-to-man running jump pressure. Well, then this young man moves into our area <coughs> from New Jersey <laughs> and now right. we're going to do a little more dribble drive and put him down in there and 
probably do a little more zone pressing and put him at the back of the press just because of what he's able to do. Um, so we'll adjust it, but <laughs> but we want to play sure. fast. And uh, he's he's capable of getting them down the floor. But if I had two six eight six nine guys who were big and strong inside, and then we might do something different. But the personnel that I've had on a consistent basis have all been guys who could play up and down. <coughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you love. I mean, I, I, and I think – I guess that's the ultimate fight for us coaches, right, is how much uh, – how much how much do we do we change and so forth. But you you got to coach what you feel like you love to do. you got a passion for it, right, Joe? I mean, isn't that I agree. important? And, and then I met with – when I met with my guys, I do an exit interview with my guys each year and kind of talk to them about, you know, us and who we are and what we're trying to do and – and to a man last spring, they all said, Coach, we got we to gotta get back to playing fast. Um, mm. um, because we started off playing really fast last year. And then I started to well, – I mean, I, I dismissed several guys from our program. And, um, right. and, and when those guys started leaving, it started hurting our depth. And the next thing you know, by the end of the year, we weren't really doing – what we were doing at the beginning of the year. Now it gave us a chance to stay in games and we got beat in the region tournament basically on a buzzer beater. So we, we were actually by a team that had beaten us 40 early in the year. So we were, we actually played to what we had at the time, but all of them, when I talked to them in the spring, basically kind of said, you know, let's, let's go back to, to what we were doing to start with, because that's when we were having success. And, um, and I, so I, that's that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that that sounds so familiar. I I love that. I think sometimes we try to make changes, and I'm the worst of it. I try to make too many changes. Where hey, stay with the plan, right, coach? Just stay with it. And but it's hard to do. It, it, we all I think we all make those mistakes. But it sounds like you guys are definitely uh, when your players say it, right, coach? It's right, important. right. That's and that's and I you know I've been talking about them taking ownership. And holding each other accountable as well, and and you know that's um they've been talking about it. They they they've they've discussed it, and uh, we started our four on ones, and uh, they wanted to start four on ones the Tuesday. After. We started school Monday. They wanted to start Monday, and I told them I just can't start Monday. I've got I've got some stuff <laughs> I've got to do before school to make sure I'm ready for the day. But we started the Tuesday right. after school started, and. Um, you know they've been they've been pretty adamant about about the shooting and and, and finishing and uh, it's it's been it's been good. I, I've enjoyed uh, the fact that they're 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 taking some ownership. So we're excited. Yeah, absolutely. And you seem like a coach that you're trying to inspire kids. It seems like that's one of your core values. That just from reading some articles and so forth, and kind of knowing coaches who know you. You do a great job of kind of inspiring and teaching kids, having an impact on kids. Is that is that important uh, to you? It is. It is. Um, and you know, and I want them to have some enthusiasm. And you know, I've been I've been fortunate to. One of the great things about being where I've been is, you know, I've had an opportunity to see kids grow. You know, I had some kids who weren't very good players when we started, and you know, um, some I got I had a kid, Keevan Davenport who just finished his senior year at Memphis. Um, 
playing for Penny Hardaway, and he, you know, he's kind of example of the kind of kid that we look for. You know, he was not very good as a ninth grader, um, had some tools, so we kept him, and um, he just got better and better and better, and went from being a project as a ninth grader to being, you know, first team All State as a senior, to being a JUCO All American, and then being an all-conference player at uh, an American Athletic Conference at, uh, at Memphis. So we watched him evolve, and that's kind of that's kind of what we're looking for. We're looking for those kind of kind of things where we watch a kid is able to grow, uh, not just as a player, but as a, he graduated from Memphis. You know, that 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 will last a long time beyond the bounce of that basketball. Right. What is one intangible? If you're looking at the lower middle school, because I know you have a lot of kids throughout your middle school, your feeder programs. What are you looking for? One thing that you see in a kid, it might not be talent. What's one intangible thing that you're, you're looking at when you check out your feeder I'm program? I'm looking for high motor kids, kids who play hard. You know, if, if they, if that, if you got a kid out there and even if he doesn't know where to go, but he's going there fast, you know, I mean, we can, we can work with that. You know, that's, High motor guys usually have success playing for me. Um, you know, we've got a couple of guys right now that are undersized, six foot, six foot one, who will play inside and outside for us, and that's that's exactly what they've been able to do. They're pl- they're going to play because they're high motor guys. So that's the first thing I look for is how hard is he playing? Because if he's playing hard, mm-hmm. then we can <clears throat> we can figure out the other stuff. Yeah, and that's – I'm telling you, a lot of kids think they play hard, right, Joe? I mean, but they're yeah, not. So well, give me some examples. Yeah, we tell them all the time. Yeah. You know, it, it's a skill, just like passing and shooting. You know, you either have it or you don't have it. And if you don't have it, <laughs> it, it we're going to be – it's going to be difficult to play for me, you know, because I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and stop demanding that. I mean, like I said, high motor guy, guys who – don't play hard and have poor body language. Those guys don't, they don't do well for me. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's one of your core values. And, and uh, I'm sure, what do you do like in a practice? Do, how do you, how do you get players to play hard? Is there certain drills or certain things that you talk to them? Uh, Cause we all talk about it, but how do you get your players to play hard specifically in a practice? Um, well, we, we've got uh, several drills that we do uh, that are uh, almost all of them are competitive. Um, so usually we try to put a number on something uh, almost always. There's very few drills that we will do that, that don't have a winner and a loser. Uh, and that has a tendency to, to increase the, um, the uh the activity of that particular practice and the other thing I do and I'm I, I'm not a big conditioning coach uh we condition with the basketball you know I mean I I don't do like I haven't done preseason conditioning in years like we don't meet and run for four or five weeks before the season starts um we just don't um and it's never hurt my guys' conditioning um, because we try to try to practice at a speed that that gives them the opportunity. Now this year, I'm thinking about just doing one week of just some team building and some toughness stuff, just because 
I, I think we've got to be a little mentally and physically tougher. But as far as the, the conditioning and all of that that goes with that, we don't we don't do a whole lot of that. We just practice, and they know if if they're practicing at a fat at a at a pace that I'm I'm a, I'm uh, pleased with, then we don't run. The the running occurs with that ball in their hands. And we've got a bunch of drills that we do, and we show them as the year goes on, and particularly early in our practices, the first 30 to 45 minutes, a lot of the time is up-tempo, boom, 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 drill after drill after drill, getting the conditioning, but also getting the understanding of playing fast with the ball. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Some of the things that you do, I don't think there's any one way or right way or wrong way. There might be a wrong way to do workouts because I think sometimes with girls and boys, it could be a little bit different. It could be mental stuff, whatever. So what do you, what do you do with your off season workouts? Um, in the spring is, is more skill related. Just, this is what we're doing. I want you to be able to dribble the ball a little bit better. I want you to be able to shoot a little bit better. We'll probably go a little bit slower as far as our workouts, but uh, in the, in the fall, um, I'm I'm trying to teach some offensive concepts that go with some of our stuff. Yeah, for sure. At the same time now, um, you know, particularly with with it going to four, so uh, you know, I can I can essentially be the fifth man out there if need be, and and that kind of thing. So I've sure. I've really kind of like right now we're doing a lot of stuff talking dribble drive. Uh, the shots we're going to get in the dribble drive offense, um, that's really what we're specifically working on right now. And as we get a little bit closer, I'll start to do a little bit of five-out motion stuff, that kind of thing. So so we'll we'll tailor it to what we're going to try to be doing defensively. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, I love that. So we, we do the same thing. We run um, – you know, we're, we're actually we're, we got some decent players here, but we we are we are total pass cut spread dri- dribble drive drive kick. We shoot a lot of threes, right. um, and that's what that's what we're doing in our workouts. Are you doing the same kind of yeah. get that action of drive kick, whatever? Yeah, and now my son is uh, my son is my stepson Frank Davis is an assistant coach at uh, East Tennessee State University, and. I spent a little time with them this summer. Uh, they're they're going on. They're actually in. Um, uh, they're in Prague, I think, today. So they got a European trip that they're on. They're playing five or six games. So they had ten days of practice. Mm-hmm. They they were able to kind of do. So I spent a little time with them and actually picked up a a set of shooting drills that I that I've tailored to dribble drive but the concept is kind of based on what East Tennessee State does with their stuff and that's been really helpful the kids have enjoyed that it's added a little bit of uh, pep to our uh, to our shooting stuff and all of it's competitive shooting for a number or trying to get a certain number in a certain time 
Uh, so we've uh, we've been trying to institute that, and we experiment and seeing what works and what doesn't work, and for us and how we can tailor it. And um, so that's that's been good too. But all of it is based on our dribble drive offense. Coach, give us a specific like just one drill that you're running. Cause I, I know coaches what they love they love to steal things, and I give us one if you don't mind. I know you might not want to give away. Um, no, that's good. But give us give us something that you picked up maybe from East Tennessee State that you're kind of putting in your program that we can use in ours. All right. Uh, well, one th- one of the things we've been talking about is just being a little more consistent. So they call this a Nick shooting drill, and, and we kind of tailored it to us. And what you've got to do, you've got to make three shots. you got five spots on the floor, you know, both corners, both free throw line extended area and the top of the key. Okay. You've got to make three shots at each spot without missing two in a row. So, and it's got to, and it forces you to continue to be consistent. So, example, if I make three shots, say I make one shot, then I miss one, then I make one, and then I miss one, and then I make one. All right, I've made three. Okay, I made three out of five, which is a good percentage, obviously. So I move to the next spot. Well, if I get to the next spot and I make one and then I miss two in a row, well, I have to go back and start over again. Okay, sure. And so it's, it's, so there's not a time when they can't concentrate. Because we, I really kind of felt like there were times where we just came in and just did the drill just to be doing the drill. Instead of getting better, we were trying to get through it. And um, so that drill forces you, yeah, you just made three out of five, but if you come to the next spot and then you you miss two or three in a row, then you got to turn around and start over again. And so we, we haven't had a kid finish yet, and they've got two minutes. They got two um, minutes. I was going to ask you the time. Minutes, yeah. A few minutes. Okay. Minutes also, and if they don't get it, then we run them. Um, right. Uh, so that's been good. That's one of them. Uh, we've got another one where they've got to make – they start with a make. They shoot till they – if they miss three in a row, they shoot till they finally make one. And then when they make one, then they can shoot till they miss. And And – and that's been that's been a fun drill too. The kids like that. We've gotten the kids who've gotten up to twelve or thirteen in a row made. Okay. Um, and uh, the numbers that some of their kids, some of the guys who they got the drills from, like I think that that drill, the first drill I mentioned, they had a kid who will be a senior for them this year who got it in forty nine seconds. That's yeah. That's, that's going at it, you know. Um, and then the drill, I, the last drill I just mentioned, I believe they had a kid make 51 in a row. Uh, Mikel Bridges is actually the kid. Who, okay. I think he, the Phoenix Suns. Sure. Um, played at Villanova. He made 51 straight in that drill. So those are the guys, you know. And so I told the kids that, and of course, they were blown away by the fact that it was in a row. But that's the kind of. You know, we, we're just kind of up in the level of, of what we want to try to get out of our shooting, and hopefully it will pay off in the fall. Because I think if we shoot it okay, I think we got a chance to be good. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I mean, we can do all the offensive stuff we want, right, Coach? Man, you got to have guys that can knock down that shots. Ball, and that back, and it, all that stuff <laughs> looks a heck of a lot better than it does when it 
when they don't go to that basket, man. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, uh, What about, you know, I think finishing is underrated, don't you think? At the girls' level, man, finishing is a major problem. Do we work on finishing enough? Even at the guys' level, I know the guys want to dunk and so forth. Are are you really working on different types of finishing moves, things like that as well? Yeah. You know what we've been working on? We – and I, and I heard Coach K talk about this. Just how many guys do you have can make a standstill open three on a consistent <laughs> basis? You know, not even not even while I'm contested. I mean, because in our offense, you're going to get open. If we're running it right and we're aggressive, it's going to force help, and you're going to get open looks. You know, how many guys or how many girls, in your case, do you have that can stand there and make – a wide open shot with nobody guarding. And I mean, it, you know, you, you take that for granted sometimes, but you know, if you don't have guys who can shoot it, you don't have folks who can make shots. Uh, it, it really bogs your offense down. It, you know, every zone defense works when you don't make threes. I've always said that I think zone offense is relative to perimeter shooting. If you're making threes, then zone, you know, your zone offense looks real good. You know, if you can run and get a lot of movement, but if you're standing there and you create a lot of movement and you got a wide open look and you can't bury it, then the zone is working. You know, it's it's doing its job. So, so that's that's been the biggest thing with us. Just let's just make open shots. You know, we're not even really worried about um a really a one on one move. Everything we do is real simple: catch and shoot, shot fake, two dribbles, get to a spot. That's really all we work on. I don't really do a whole lot beyond that. Yeah, tell me about because I, I sometimes I really love um, I love the offensive game and so forth. I, I guess I, as I gotten older, I become very I guess conceptual. I don't I used to run the flex and all that mess, and now it's total spread offense, drive, kick, pass, cut. I know that sounds really simple, but right. I'm players play better with that type of freedom. Yes. And I, I mean, we we just talk about playing by principle, you know, playing by principle, not not by anything else. This is, you know, I've got the ball. I've got three choices of what I can do with it. I can shoot it. I can pass it to somebody quickly or I can put it on the floor and attack. And, yeah. and our kids, you know, you know we, we kind of started telling them in our five-out motion, we said there is no right or wrong, only do. Uh, you know, go do something. Go Go take it and move. Go pass it and, and move or shoot it. But whatever you do, um, you know, you got to go ahead and do it. Are you, do you like the screen a lot in your motion or is it more just spacing? You know, uh, I, I, I've talked, uh, we, we did a bunch of ball screening last year, uh, particularly because we had, we only had one or two guys who we felt like could really score for us. Um, so we put the ball in their hands and gave them ball screens. So I would say 30 to 40 percent of the time last year we probably did ball screens. What I've I've been talking to my guys about is, you know, sometimes sometimes we don't we don't ball screen with any conviction. We just do it because we think that's what we're supposed to do. Right. Instead of going and setting a screen and rolling really hard or I've I've fallen out of love with the guard to guards ball screen because guys just switch it and you don't get anything and next thing you know your spacing's bad so if we're trying to ball screen I'm really looking at 
big on little, little on big, whatever it may be, trying to create a, a switch or a mismatch. Yeah, and it's hard to find. I think at your level, probably better. At our single-A level, there's not too many guards that can come off that ball screen really good, particularly at the girls' level. Um, but but you can still train it. Though. I have one girl that's really good, and we do set a lot of screens for her. We're, our offense is simple. We try to get our best players the most shots, right? Right, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I hear uh, Mike Neighbors, the coach at uh, Arkansas's girls, he does a great presentation called 25 Reasons You May Suck as a Basketball Coach. And it's really almost sobering and when, it, when he starts talking about it. Says if you look at your stats and your three best players don't have the three most shots, <laughs> as a basketball coach, you know, and I, I agree. I mean, that's, you know, you got to make sure everybody understands who's got to have it in their hands and who's got to shoot it. Yeah, you have to these days. I mean, you, I mean, it, it's it's not an equal opportunity, right? Offense. I mean, I think you got to get get the ball in your best player's hands. Coach, tell me about. I, I want to hear about your language of your program. Like, what were certain words that you guys utilize to kind of sell your culture of your program? Um, well, we talk about uh, we use this term, Leo, and I got this from Coach Dennis Felton. When he was an assistant, I went out and spent uh, three days at with him at Tulsa. And, um, and, of course, he was just a coach at Cleveland State, and he's been let go from that situation. But um, Coach Felton's one of the best basketball minds I know. And, and they use the word, the term Leo, which means loud, early, often. All their okay. communication needs to be loud, early, and often. And um, we preach that. We preach that every day. Uh, in everything we do, um, we actually gave our motion offense spots. We gave them football terms because the kids seemed to it helped the kids remember. So you know we our our dribble drive spots are the two top spots are running backs because they're trying to get downhill and guys in the corners are flankers. That's an old football term. Mm-hmm. Um, when we go five out, that middle guy is the quarterback. You know, of course, everybody wants to be the quarterback, you know, but, um, you know, we, we, we've, uh, we've kind of incorporated that. We started that two years ago, and, and uh, that's been good for us because the kids never forget where they're supposed to be when you say, I need two running backs, I need two flankers, whatever it may be. Um, that's, that's been good to us, and we're, going, we're adding it. We're adding to it. The tight end will be the short corner guys this year. So we, we, we've, gotten, uh, we've gotten a lot of use out of that. I love that. I mean, that's that's a football mentality, which is aggression, right? Is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really know, like that. That running back spot have got to get downhill, just like a running back would in a in a game. You gotta you gotta head toward the end zone. The end zone is out the lane, and um, if you don't, we're gonna get you out of that running back spot. You can't play it if you aren't gonna get downhill. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I love that. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a guy. Uh, Coach Kevin Kiernan from Modern Day High School in California, yeah. um, who's won up team state championships, and I asked him the same question. He, they call their fast break, they say push up, and anytime that they are, that's our constant move, push up, push up uh, about their pressure, their their up tempo, and it's just a term they use to remind them, hey, we got to push up and really get after them and so forth. I just. I think it's important, right? Words, man, can mean a lot. 
Oh, it, it, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, the kids never forget those things. When you give them a term, I mean, they, they live in that, they live in that, that age when, when everything's got a term, when there's a nickname for everything or there's, you know, they, whatever, they, whatever it may be, you know, how many, how many of us were saying we were living our best life growing up, you know, but the kids, that's part of their vernacular right now, you know, you know, I mean, they're just little terms and I have to kind of keep up with them, you know, <laughs> to make sure I'm, I'm able to communicate with these guys, but, but certainly they, they don't forget stuff when you, when you put it in, in, in terms and in sound bites like that. Yeah, and I think it's good for coaches not to say a lot, right? One word. So, you know, if Coach Dick says, hey, Leo, I mean, they know what you're saying. That one word has a lot of meaning. I think that's, I think that's undertaught in today's game. I think we talk too much. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, and I talk to my coaches about it all the time, you know. Let's coach in sound bites, you know, not in, par- in paragraphs. You know, quickly, boom, this is what happened, happened, happened. Now, every now and then, I have to, I have to have a little bit longer come to Jesus meeting at a moment, you know. But, uh, but uh, for the most part, we try to, we try to give it to them and then get back to whatever we're doing because, you know, everything we're doing is we're trying to go fast. Right, and of course, kids are going fast these days, man. Kids are going from, I mean, they're 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 a lot different than when we grew up, man. They're they're getting things quickly, aren't they? Oh, they are. They are. They, you know. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy how much just information is thrown at them in all walks of life, not just athletics, but just in in their daily, you know, in their daily uh, activities. They have so much information thrown at them. They they're moving, you know, and they're moving. If you're not moving with them, you're getting behind, and you can lose them easily. You, you can. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Hey, Coach, only a couple more questions, and I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're busy. Um, hey, I, I always like to ask coaches a special situation question. It's like, what is – I really believe the last two minutes of the game is ours. If my team can get me to the last two minutes, I'm going to help them win it. Um, and that, that might not happen all the time, but, but it's what I want them to believe. Uh, right. What is something you do at the end of games – to kind of seal that victory? Um, well, I, I try to make sure, and once again, this is a communication thing. I try to make sure that every time we have the ball, they know what type of shot we're looking for. So you come to one of our games, you're going to hear me yelling. And once again, it's real simple. Red, yellow, or green, okay? Because uh, you'll be – how many of us have had a kid shoot a ball late in the game <laughs> at you yeah. shoot? You know, and, and, and it costs you. Um, so we, we make sure our guys know as soon as we get the ball, and obviously usually that's on our end coming toward us. So they'll know red, yellow, or green. You know, red is obviously we're holding it. We're not taking a shot. You know, green is we're, we're, looking, for, we're looking for a good shot, first available, whatever it may be. And then yellow is we're, we're only going to take a layup, you know, and, and it needs to be a good layup. Um, the clock is important at that point in time. So <clears throat> we, we try to work on special situations once or twice a week. Um, just put that toward the end of practice. We try to do it. Um, we just tell them, okay, you're down eight or you're up eight. There's a minute and a half left. 
now you take me through the situation. Tell me what you know about this situation. And, and they'll, we, we get them talking, you know, we get them talking and they'll say this, this or that. And, and then we tell them quickly, whether we agree with what they're saying or what we, we think a little differently about, and uh, that's helped us too. We've, we've been able to win some games late and hopefully it's going to be a better for this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it will. I mean, um, and I know it's, it's probably a neglected part of the game. I'm not, I'm not sure if I work on enough special situations and we're all trying to drill and do all that. I think special situations important. I think your players have to have, they have to have to be there before they win there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, so, uh, um, but it sounds like you guys are really coming along, getting them more confident at the end. Hey, Coach, what is something you use technology-wise that really helps you? I always – I every coach gives me something – like, you know, it could be huddle or it could be whatever. What do you use to help you as a coach? Um, I'm a big crossover guy, you know, and I'm, obviously I'm in huddle have, have merged and I haven't – they've called me and and we haven't sat down and kind of talked about what the changes and the difference will be. But we use crossover a lot to teach what we want. Um, you know, I used it at East Hall, and then I'm using it here. And uh, right now I'm clipping together our offense from last year, the good, the bad, the ugly, so they can see <laughs> what, what works well, what doesn't work well. And before some of our late afternoon practices, we'll be watching some of that film. You know, some of it's of our press, some of it's of our dribble drive, some of it's of our five-man motion. And um, because I am still have a relationship with the East Hall guys, they keep me listed as an assistant coach on there, so I have access to some clips and stuff that I put together when I was still coached there that these guys are actually watching now, seeing some of the concepts that I'm trying to show them. So um, I would say crossover probably has been – probably the biggest aid to me over the last, I think I've been with them now seven, seven or eight years. I think, I think eight years is how long I've been with them now counting this time of year. Yeah. Crossover is awesome. And we have huddle and I'm telling you, I don't know what I, I don't, I don't know how I did it without huddle because man, it is the stuff, the analytics they have on there. They, yeah. you know, the huddle assist. I mean, it, it does all your stats. I mean, it's almost too easy coach. But I mean, you still have to take those analytics and get better, you know, and got to communicate with your players, right? Yep, yep. And I, you know, you know, as my a lot of the analytics, I, I don't necessarily look at the ones I look at are, you know, how many deflections are we creating defensively? How many turnovers? What's our points off turnovers? You know, our points off turnovers last year nearly matched our win loss record. Hmm. You know, so. Uh, we talk about that, but you know, this, this spring and into the summer, you know, I, I, I posted it, you know, our shooting percentages from last year so they can look at it, see what it looks like. You know, it's also a great tool when a parent wants to know why little Johnny's not getting to shoot as much. And, you know, we can show you exactly why uh, without any question, you know, we can't say, well, well, he, he, he shot, he didn't shoot that bad. Well, I have something that says, he did shoot that bad. Here's the exact percentage. Sure. If you're a 17, 18, 19% three point shooter, then you're not going yeah. to shoot. No. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Of course, I got, I got a few like that too. But um, 
yeah, there's something like, hey, this is what you need to work on. And and are they taking the initiative to get out and work on their game in the offseason? Um, hey, Coach, let me ask you this. I think uh, I would love to see a Georgia Basketball Coaches Association for high school. You do a great job mentoring a lot of coaches through um, – to the Georgia, the Georgia Coaches Association. Is that something that's feasible for – take a guy like you, Gene Durden, Eddie Martin. You guys – I mean, I'm telling you, there's some great coaches out there. Are we doing enough to help coaches out there? Um, you know, it's – we through GACA, I've been the state chairman for GACA now. This will be my third year. Right. And um, I'm starting um, – we're starting to kind of – be able to connect a little bit more. I think the NCAA uh, mandates that came down that led to the team camp and the top 100 camp have kind of really, really helped with that as well. Uh, we have discussed a, ba- a, a possible basketball coaches association within the GACA, and uh, I think they're open to it. There is an actual football coaches association within the GACA right now, so so I think we're headed that way. Um, you know, I, I, the thing I talked to high school coaches about, and and we saw a lot of it, and I deal, I've dealt with it for several years because I've worked, even though I wasn't the state chairman, I worked part of GACA helping with the All-Star Games for about five or six years. And the one thing that I've seen on a consistent basis, you'd be shocked at how many coaches don't respond to emails, to – you know, we had coaches who missed out on the team camp uh, because they just didn't respond to an email that asked, mm-hmm. hey, do you want in or out of this camp? Right. You know, we sent it to everyone, and we had guys who got it and didn't respond and then were upset when they were left out of it. Um, or their kid, they nominated a kid too late. I mean, we've got to be better as coaches on getting things in before deadline. And uh, I think some coaches learned a hard lesson about that this past summer in dealing with that. But I deal with it in the all-star game all the time. I knew that might occur some, and it did. Um, you know, we had – it's crazy. I Like, here's an example, and this is just uh, – and it's probably an extreme example, but this is the kind of things that sometimes occur with coaches. I had a young man who got selected for the all-star game several years ago. Talented player. He wasn't there. He was confirmed, which means he was confirmed, which which means um, he had gotten his the money was sent in for him to play. Um, all the paperwork was sent in. Okay, sounds good. So we expecting the kid to be there. Well, he's not there for practice, so you know these kids are all connected to each other now. They know each other. So a couple of guys he text him and like, "Where are you, man?" And he replies back, "Where am I supposed to be?" And they said, well, you were supposed to be part of the All-Star game down here in Savannah. And he's like, oh, I didn't even know. You know, the coach had paid for him to be there. And we had the money. And we had all this paperwork. And the coach had not made it known to him. I mean, he literally was at, sitting at home. And he was like, I would have come if I'd known I've actually gotten to Now, once again, that was a kind of an extreme situation but those are the kind of examples of stuff that we would we deal with sometimes when we're trying to connect with coaches so they've got to do a better job we've all got to do a better job of making sure we respond in timely fashion 
when things like that come up. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hello? Hey. Hey, Coach, man. Hey, welcome back, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, I, I love what you were saying before um, about coaches not really protecting or promoting their, their kids. I do see that a lot myself. You got to go all out and you got to do whatever you can uh, to help your kid out, particularly like in that type of situation, all state all-star right yeah and and like i said we've seen it we've seen several situations where guys just like effort to try to get the kid involved in the all-star game made no effort to try to to try to promote uh what was happening so you know in those kind of situations you know if we're going to move toward a georgia you know, basketball coaches association, those kind of things have got to be, got to be something from the past. Um, You know, and like I said, it's in this day and age of social media, it is really, really simple to some um, exposure. I mean, you know, I mean, you can Instagram and, and Twitter great tools for getting your names out there and, you know, I'm still a little old-fashioned. I still send an email kind of highlighting my players, um, you know, for the coming season. I already go ahead and do it because I know I'll hear from different um, publications wanting previews on our team. So I already have the preview written up so I can immediately just email it to them and, and uh, with, you know, some specific stuff about several players on the team. So it's – that's the way I've tried to do it. and. Hopefully, coaches will continue to to um to get better at that. Most coaches are are good at it now, but we still have some who who uh who don't put a whole lot into that, and it's unfortunate. So yeah, I mean, you're it's all about the kids. I mean, I um you know the wins and losses are great, man. You got to do whatever you can. Not only that, you have to try to get them to the next level. If, if a kid wants it, and I know Kyle Sandy, I had a good conversation with him. I mean. There, there are schools out there that want kids, but it might be a D3 or D2, but you got to do whatever you can if they have the desire, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, and everybody's not going to be that four or five-star kid, you know, uh, and, I, and I'd go as far as to say, you know, I've probably made a living off of more um, small college kids than I have you know, the high major division ones, we know those guys are not going to have any problems uh, getting their name out there. But, you know, the kid who's a great player on your team and solid in what he does and maybe can't play at the division one level, but certainly can at a division two or division three, uh, those those are the guys that need it more than anything. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I, I got a kid here as a senior 
Um, and she's good enough to play some well. She's got the grades. She just, um, she's just now becoming a good player. She can play at a, you know, like a Bruton Parker, a school like that. That's a quality program with a good education. But a lot of kids, you got to go. Coaches have to go outside the box and really search for their kids, right? Right. And, I, and it's funny you mentioned Bruton Parker because they signed one of my seniors from this okay. past year. Uh, exact same thing. You know, we we clipped together, going back to the crossover program we talked about, we clicked together some highlights of him and sent him off. And they liked what they saw. He came down, went down and played for him. And next thing I know, they offered him an opportunity. He left for school on this past Saturday. So, you know, certainly uh, we as coaches can continue to do more to make sure our kids get those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as to your efforts and so forth, taking that extra time out. Um, hey, but I, I really appreciate you coming on. And I, I really want us to continue this conversation on uh, Georgia Basketball Coaches Association because I, I think that not only that, I, I think we need more clinics I know you, the GA, you guys run a great run. You and Gene, you know, run a great coaches clinic every year. And I, I'm running one out here. I love to see us in Georgia take more of a initiative on getting more clinics and coaches out here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, um, I'm going to try my best to get out to yours on the 14th. So, um, uh, and then they got a team belief has a good one going on August, August 24th. So we've got some we've got some resources at our disposal here in the state and, and we need to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, thanks again. How how can somebody get a hold of you? If they want to kind of talk to you about your program or anything, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, um, if they will, let's email me. Uh it's Joseph Dix52 J-O-S-E-P-H D-I-X. 52 at uh, gmail.com. And if they'll email me, they're welcome to come to watch practice or watch any of our workouts. You know, we don't really have any secrets. Uh, we just, we're just trying to, um, we're just trying, we're just working on getting better. So, and I, I always learn from guys when they come and speak with us as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know you would be great. I, I know coaches out there, you got to call coach, Coach Dix and have him come to your program. He's great, motivational, inspiring, and so forth. So we have to take advantage of each other and really try to help each other out. Coach, thanks again for um, spending the time with me. I appreciate your appreciate right. your patience. <laughs> oh, okay. no problem, no problem at all. I enjoyed it. Glad thanks, Coach. Here. Bye now. Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. I want to introduce you uh, to a great clinic that this is my fourth year of hosting it here at Lake Oconee Academy. On uh, September 14th, uh, we got some of the best of the best high school coaches in the country coming to an unbelievable clinic. Our clinic is sponsored by Huddle and Dr. Dish, two of the kind of the, the top basketball uh, analytics, uh, shooting machines in the market today. They're uh, coming to uh, really help us out because they know what we're trying to do to improve basketball in the state of Georgia. Um, but I just want to tell you, we have a great, great group of coaches coming in. Um, I want to start with 
uh, Coach Steve Collins. Yeah, he came last year to our clinic. He's a head boys basketball coach at Madison Memorial. He's going to talk about his system at Madison Memorial. Uh, he's 30 years coaching in the state of Wisconsin, 20, 21 years varsity coach at Madison Memorial South High School. He's a 411 and 105 overall record, 14 consecutive conference championships, longest winning streak in conference history, 40, national ranking since 2004, state ranked for the past 15 years, 18 consecutive varsity winning seasons, three state championships, four state runner-ups, two semifinals, eight elite eights, 2005 and 2011 State Coach of the Year awards, nine consecutive state appearances, nine-time Big 8 and City Coach of the Year, coached eight professional basketball players, coached two NBA players, Wesley Matthews and Vander Blue. Um, He's going to be actually um, filming it for his website uh com, but steve's gonna put on a show folks just just him alone is worth the price of admission and of course the price of admission is 85 dollars. you get a t-shirt you get lunch you get snacks throughout the day um and all of this is at our new facility here at lake Oconee academy in greensboro georgia um coach gene durden he's gonna be talking about his buford system gene is entering this uh 14th season as Buford High girls basketball coach, 31st season as head coach. His teams have played in nine of the last 11 state championship games. His teams have won state titles in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2015, and 2017, and 2018 and 19. Durden has guided the Lady Wolves to seven state titles, two state runner-ups, nine region championships, and a program record of 377 and 70. Durden's overall career record is 808 and 214. Coach Durden is tied for fifth all-time with seven state titles. Gene and and Steve alone, price of admission, two great coaches, but I'm not going to stop there. Uh, You're then going to have Coach Gene Glaze. Uh, He's going to talk about culture trump strategy. Sean Glaze is a speaker, author, coach, and team-building facilitator who has helped corporate, academic, and athletic groups interact more effectively and become more successful. He has enjoyed working with teams for over 20 years and has consistently turned underachievers into winners with an emphasis on leadership development and communication. Sean is in his 20th year of coaching high school basketball. We also have... Coach Jarrett Hunsinger. He's going to be talking about his 1-2-2 ball press and his overall system. Coach Hunsinger is the head varsity girls basketball coach at Boonville High School in Boonville, Missouri. He coached both Clark County boys and Scotland County girls boys in Northeast Missouri. While coaching the Scotland County girls, they played for three district titles, winning one in 2011. He just concluded his seventh season of coaching the Boonville Lady Pirates, where his team ended the 2018 19 season at 21 and 4. Over the last seven seasons, they have won five conference championships, four district titles, made two quarterfinal appearances, which included a third place finish in Class 3 in 2015 at 30 and 1. Overall record at Boonville is 149 and 43. Overall, he has accumulated over 250 plus wins during that time. He is recognized as one of the top coaches in Missouri, particularly on the 1 2 2 ball press. It's a treat to have have them come down here. 
<clears throat> Our next speaker is going to be Coach Audrey Taylor. She's going to be talking about her transition offensive system at Franklin High School. Coach Audrey Taylor is the head girls basketball coach at Franklin High School in Somerset, New Jersey. 2019 USA Today All-USA Coach of the Year. 2019 ranked number 12 nationally, USA Today Super 25. 2017 and 2019 ranked number one. State of New Jersey, 2019 undefeated season, 34-0, 2017 and 19. In the New Jersey Tournament of Champions, state championships, two-time Somerset County champions back-to-back, 2017 and 2019. Four times Group 4 state champions, 2015 to 2019. Four times Group 4 sectional champions, 2014 2019. 2017 NewJersey.com Star Ledger Coach of the Year, 2017. USA Today Coach of the Year, 2014 2017. Franklin High School Coach of the Year, 2014 2017. Courier News Basketball Coach of the Year, Somerset County, 2016 and 17 in the Skyland Conference Coach of the year unbelievable accolades um this coach has really built a juggernaut at franklin and she's going to come in all the way from new jersey and speak about her system uh again just those coaches alone is worth more than worth the price of admission coaches you got to come out uh, the Fun and Run System by Coach Glenn Hicks. Coach Glenn Hicks, head coach for 42 years, 26 years at North Sand Mountain High School, one year Wallace State Community College, 12 years Dade County High School in Trenton, Georgia, three years Fort Payne High School in Alabama, career record 750 and 421, Alabama State Coach of the Year 1993, North Sand Mountain led the nation in scoring 111.8 in 1993, um, and his son, Cole Hicks, Cole Hicks, which is now the head boys coach at North Sound Mountain um, in Alabama. He just finished his fifth year as head boys basketball coach in his second year at North Sound Mountain High School. Previously, he was at North Jackson High School in Alabama for three years. He has won two area championships and made two appearances in the Sweet 16 in the state of Alabama. He was a boys JV coach at Dade County High School for eight years under his dad, Glenn Hicks. And the final coach, and what a treat, um, is the Lakeway Christian Academy pressure defensive system coach Randy Kaufman. Head varsity goals basketball coach Lakeway Christian Academy in White Pine, Tennessee. He has a career record of 499 and 183, eight district titles, four region titles, six state tournament appearances, three Tennessee state titles in a row, back-to-back national titles, eight times district coach of the year, two-time USA Today state coach of the year, two-time national coach of the year, his last three seasons at Riverdale High School recruited a 102-5 and record while playing a national schedule. He has won 71 straight in the, in the state. Coaches, please sign up. Um, you can email me at uh, kevin.furtado at lakeoconeacademy.org. Uh, you can call me at 478-461-4403. You can register at the door. You can register online. Uh, this is all set up for all you coaches who want to get better. The price is reasonable. What you get for it is unbelievable. Um, I'm all about helping coaches, and I'm all about learning the game as well. So I'm going to be getting a lot out of it. Coaches, um, I'm really excited, and hopefully you can attend on September 14th, 2019. Uh, Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care.